everyone. Thanks for checking out this podcast. I hope today's conversation inspires you and builds your faith for the moment you are in right now. Know that God's love for you truly changes everything. Enjoy the message. Bonjour tout le monde. Uh, we're so glad you're here today. And uh, I wonder, voici la question, I wonder, is there anybody here who is ready to study God's word today? Yes. The lamp for our feet, the light for our paths. And uh, I also wonder, did anybody wonder if the sun would never come out again? How many of you are glad to see some sunshine today here in the Moncton area? Yes. And those of you who are with us online around the world, let us know how is the weather in, uh, in your location today. I feel like a weatherman. You be sure to let us know. And, and what's your birthday uh, as well? And we'll send you a birthday present. No, okay, maybe not that much. But uh, we are so glad that you joined us today, and uh, we are finishing up this series called Overwhelmed. And in this series, we've been, we've been talking about what it feels like to have the, the pressures and the stress and the expectations and the responsibilities of life that weigh us down. And you remember the very first week of the series, I think it was like five weeks ago, in the first teaching, we, uh, we had the stack of plates. Do you remember that? Where I, I had the stack of plates in, in that first week and, and was so overwhelmed as the stack got higher and higher with responsibilities and pressures and, and obligations until when you're overwhelmed like that, all it took was one little bump and it all comes tumbling down and we, it crashed all over the platform and made a big mess. And as we talked about in the podcast this week, it was a great moment. I just loved that moment because I think a lot of people didn't expect that to happen. And I could hear when the plates went crash all over the place, there was an audible <gasps> gasp in the room. Uh, and that's what it feels like, doesn't it? When we're overwhelmed and we're afraid that things are going to come crashing down. In our lives. And then probably my favorite was the second week. You remember why? Because we had the motorcycle on the stage. The, do you remember what it was? The Ducati Penagale Superbike. And, and, uh, and I don't know that you were ex as excited about that as I was. But, but we talked about how amazingly engineered that motorcycle is. And yet, even though it is engineered to the most exacting precision, something as simple as a flat tire can minimize its ability to fulfill its potential. That, it, that something, just one thing as simple as a flat tire can, can stop it from doing what it was designed to do. And that week we looked at Jesus and the teaching uh, that he has with the rich young ruler and, uh, and he points to the rich young ruler and he says, but you still lack one thing. And he spoke to a problem area that was holding the rich young ruler back from fulfilling God's purpose in his life. And then the third week we had Dr. H.C. Wilson share about hope. And he, and, and he just kind of opened our eyes to something when he said, the opposite of overwhelmed is not underwhelmed. The opposite of overwhelmed in a bad way is to be what? overwhelmed in a, in a good way, to be overwhelmed by the promise and the, and the hope and the, the goodness of Jesus. And then in week four, last Sunday, we talked about getting burned. You remember we had the big jug of sunscreen, my own special SPF 150 formula that I pretended to come up with. And I talked about how in my life there was that one particular day where even after years of making good decisions when it comes to sunscreen, there was that one particular day where I had a weak moment 
or I made a bad choice. And in that day, I, I forgot to put it on and it was and I talked about it, it was like the worst sunburn that, that, that I had ever experienced that probably any of you have ever seen before. And fortunately, I did not show you pictures of the blisters. You can thank me later for that. But in that, in that moment, we, we talked about how it's not just enough to know about something like sunscreen, to know the truth. But that we have to apply it, not just to be hearers of the word, but doers of the word, because it's not just information that brings transformation. It is information plus consistent, ongoing, faithful application over a long time that continues to bring transformation to our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this week we also have something that uh, that is kind of like the big idea, that, sort of a prop for an object lesson, okay? Uh, that, that's going to tie to Scripture today. But the problem is it's so big and kind of dangerous that I couldn't figure out how to get it in here. Because the word for today is trapeze. How many of you have ever been to the circus before? Uh, yeah, yeah. The trapeze is this amazing thing. Now, I, I, we, we talked about, could maybe I climb up on the balcony and go swinging across the crowd, and, but I'm not sure our insurance co- uh, policy would cover that. And so the, the trapeze is this, this amazing thing when you see two trapeze artists where one is the flyer and the other is the catcher. And they swing back and forth. And then the flyer eventually releases, lets go of the bar, and goes flying into the air with with their arms outstretched. And the catcher on the other side comes swinging up and grabs hold of their arms and rescues them at just the right moment. Now, as cool as that is, I thought maybe, maybe you'd like to have one. And so I looked online and I found this. Check out this picture. You too can have a trapeze in your living room. Wouldn't that be the greatest thing ever? I don't know that, if that would be in your home insurance policy either. But, but what does a trapeze teach us about feeling overwhelmed in our lives? Well, the great writer Henry Nguyen talks about how he became fascinated with a group of trapeze artists called the Flying Rodleys. And, and Henry Nguyen, as a Christian, he admitted that he felt homosexual attraction, but as a man of God, he knew that he was called to celibacy. And the world says, well, well, that's just, that's repression. How could you have attractions? How could you have desires and not fulfill them? But Nguyen says that he learned to pursue Jesus and trust God and and find holiness, in particular as he studied the, the work of the trapeze. And one day, Henry Nguyen interviewed the leader of the troop, and here's what the great trapeze artist said, as a flyer, I must have complete trust in my catcher. The public might think that I am the great star of the trapeze, but the real star is Joe, my catcher. He has to be there for me with split second precision and grab me out of the air as I come to him in the long jump. And so how does it work, I asked. Well, the secret, Rodley said, is that the flyer does nothing and the catcher does everything. When I fly to Joe, I have simply to stretch out my arms and hands and wait for him to catch me and pull me safely over the apron behind the catch bar. You do nothing? I said, surprised. 
Nothing, Rodley replied. The worst thing the flyer can do is to try to catch the catcher. I'm not supposed to catch Joe. It's Joe's task to catch me. If I grabbed Joe's wrists, I might break them. Or he might break mine. And that would be the end for both of us. A flyer must fly and a catcher must catch. And the flyer must trust with outstretched arms that his catcher will be there for him. Again, from the great Rodley, that last one more time, that last line again. The flyer must trust with outstretched arms that his catcher will be there for him. And so what does that mean for us? Let's talk about this today. You see, my part is to trust and fully surrender to God. His part is to catch me and to do what I cannot do for myself. And the fact is that, that many of us here at, the ch- at this church know what it is like to be bound and trapped in bondage to addiction. And for anybody who, is, who has ever been in that place in their life and has ultimately found freedom through Jesus Christ, we know that for everybody, it always starts the same way. Now, if you've ever been uh, part of Celebrate Recovery here at this church or, or any 12-step program like Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous or whatever, you, you begin to realize that they are very much like the trapeze. Because any 12-step program basically begins with steps that say something like this. I confess that I have a problem. I admit that I am powerless to fix it on my own. And I trust and surrender to God because only He can fix it. And so you begin to see how much very, how mer- very much like the trapeze this, this is. How we have to trust God as we let go of our bad stuff, of, of our problem stuff, in order to let God catch us. And in fact, there's a short saying that says something like that, that just simply says, let go and let God. Can you say that? Everybody say, let go and let God. And let God. Let go and let God. There's an amazing passage of Scripture that that speaks to this in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. For many people here today, many people online, maybe this is your favorite passage of Scripture. It's so powerful. Could we read this together just to make sure that we've got it? Everybody out loud together and at home, you can join us as well. Everybody say together, Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And and instead of trying to control the path ourselves to, to let 
him direct us. In Job chapter 11, verse 13, it says, devote your heart to him and stretch out your hands. Everybody say, stretch out your hands and stretch out your hands to him. Like the trapeze, it means to let go and stretch out your hands to God. And then the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7 talks about this struggle that we go through. Romans chapter 7, beginning in verse 20. I know if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. I, I want to do good, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. How we relate to this. Yes, we know what that feels like to be in this struggle where we feel underpowered and overwhelmed and we're trying to do good. We're trying to make choices. We're, we're trying to be strong. And yet it's like evil keeps trying to pull us back in. Is there any hope? Paul asked the question here in Romans, is there any hope that we could be saved and rescued and Romans gives the answer in the very next verse, verse 24. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Who will be my rescue? Who will reach out and catch me? Who will be the one who helps me when I cannot be the help for myself? Who will be my salvation? The answer is Thanks be to Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul says, look, Paul says, I know what that feels like. I know what that daily struggle is like. He says, I know what it's like to feel underpowered and overwhelmed. But he says, let me tell you about the day I learned to trust in Jesus. Reminds me of the old song, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him over and over Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. In other words, Paul says the key is I had to learn to let go of this hold of trying to fix it and control it myself and let God have his way in my life. John Ortberg read this story from Henry Nguyen about letting Jesus catch you about the trapeze, and he decided to do something crazy. One day, he, he literally decided to sign up for a trapeze class. I didn't even know there were such things. But in some big cities, you can go. Uh, and in fact, the last time we were in New York City, I remember they have like a circus school like that uh, out on one of the piers off of Manhattan. And, uh, and so he says, recently I decided to go to this school, and he, he, he called it letting go school. And he kind of compared it to walking with Jesus. He said, there's this place called the Circus Center where they actually have trapeze classes. He says, so I went to this class, and the most important person to me is the catcher. He gives me a whole set of instructions. He tells me that when I go flying through the air, and the moment comes for him to catch me, I am to look for him 
to stretch out my arms toward him and then to hold my hands perfectly still with my thumbs and as far from my fingers as I can. My, my only job in that moment, he says, is to give him a good target. <laughs> I'm just there to be a good target for him to grab hold of. He says, it's a funny thing when I stand and I watch other people up on the trapeze. It looks so easy. When someone tells me that the trapeze is perfectly a safe place to be, I believe them. But when it's time for me to climb the ladder, when it's time for me to step out on the platform, something happens in my mind. My mind generates a hundred reasons not to climb up and not to let go. I say I believe, but in the moment of crisis, my heart is pounding, so apparently it doesn't believe. And my hands are sweating, so apparently my hands don't believe either. When I'm up on the platform and the trapeze comes toward me, the catcher tells me I must lean out. He tells me not to worry that he's got me. I don't want to lean out into space. Leaning out seems like a stupid idea in that moment. I want to lean back. In other words, I want to lean on my own understanding. But then he tells me to take the leap of faith and suddenly I am flying through the air and I'm exhilarated, scared, excited, and fully alive. My catcher is giving me directions. Arch your back, point your toes, swing your feet up, keep your arms straight. My job is to listen and to wait and to trust and to do what he tells me to do. Letting go and, and getting caught turns out to involve more learning and more practice than I thought. I have a long way to go. But that's okay because my catcher is not in a hurry. And so I try again. Here comes the moment. Hanging in the air from the bar by my legs, I surrender my heart. I stretch out my hands and look for the catcher. He tells me to let go of the bar. But I don't want to let go. That bar, that, the trapeze, stands for my life, my old, ego-driven, willful life. I'm afraid if I let it go, I will die. And of course, I will die to that old, self-centered, messed-up life so I can be given a new life. And those big, strong hands come out of nowhere to grab a hold of mine. His palms are not sweaty. His arms are not short. His grip is not weak. And I am caught. I did not know how good it would feel to get caught. <laughs> it's just the best. He says that's how it works in the school of letting go. Fear, decision, surrender, and getting caught. Isn't that beautiful? That, that moment of being rescued by Jesus. But the problem is, it's so hard for us to let go of our stuff. There was a great story uh, of a woman that I, I, I hear it's true. Uh, I, it, it, it's quite a traumatic experience, so I hope for her sake that this was embellished. But the, the news article said that this woman in a mother of... Uh, eight children, five little ones were in the house. She lived in Darlington, Maryland. And five little ones were in the house and uh, playing while she was out in the yard doing some gardening work. 
And so she came in and she found all five of her children in a circle on the floor in the living room. And they were playing with something that seemed to be wiggly and squirming. And, and, and as she approached, to her great dismay, she discovers that they are playing with a family of baby skunks in the living room. As are you, she was shocked. <laughs> and so she shouts, run children, run! And they do. All five children pick up a skunk and run <laughs> to all parts of the house. They misunderstood the directions. <laughs> and yet, is that not what we do so often in life? We pick up our skunk and run. We don't want to let go of the smelly stuff. We hold on to our sin and we run. We hold on to our selfishness and we run through life. We hold on to our bitterness and unforgiveness. And the problem is Jesus cannot catch us as long as our arms are filled with holding on to that smelly stuff. And so, if, again, if you know anything about Celebrate Recovery or, or, or any 12-step program, I want to ask you a trick question. Are you ready? Here's the trick question. Which one of the steps says, muster up the strength of your will and make the decision that you're going to quit? Which, which step is it? I said it was a trick question. And the reason it's a trick, because if you know anything about any 12-step programs, you know there is no step that says, summon your willpower to finally make the decision you're going to stop. See, it doesn't work that way. How do you forsake pride and become humble like Jesus by just deciding one day, you know what, I'm not going to be prideful anymore. I'm just, I'm just going to be humble today. How do you let go of lust and, and greed by just deciding, you know, I just, I'm just going to quit that? today. So often it doesn't work that way. It's kind of like saying, I'm not going to eat a donut. I'm not going to eat a donut. Because the more you think about not eating a donut, what do you want to do? You want to eat it any even more. You see, the answer is not just saying today, I'm going to determine that I'm strong enough to stop. And that's why if you've never seen the 12 steps and, and this is just kind of a summary. There are different programs in Celebrate Recovery and Alcoholics Anonymous and different types it may have some, some minorly different wording. But here is the essence of the 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless and our lives had become unmanageable. Number two, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Only God. Number three, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. Number four, we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of our lives. Number five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Number six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Number seven, humbly asked 
him to remove our shortcomings. Number eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them. Number nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Number 10, continued to take personal inventory. And when we were wrongly or wrong, we promptly admitted it. Number 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Number 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Folks, I don't care who you are. That's good stuff right there. Yeah? Listen, that's good stuff. That, that is letting go and letting God catch you. In fact, some 12-step programs end every session with the Lord's Prayer. You know why? I don't know if you ever picked up on this before. That, that pretty much all of those 12 steps are summed up in the Lord's Prayer from Jesus. Let, let, let me show you. First of all, let's read it together. Jesus said, let, let's read this out loud together. Everybody. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so the 12 steps are right there. Let me show you. Our Father, hallowed be your name. There is a God who is bigger than me. And I am powerless to fix it on my own. I need him to restore my sanity. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's how it's accomplished. I surrender myself to you, Lord. I am the flyer and you are the catcher. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lord, I take a fierce moral inventory of my shortcomings and my, my wrongdoings. I admit that I've done wrong. Lord, forgive me and help me to forgive others. Help me to make restitution. To those that I have wronged. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, I need your help to stay clean from this point forward. My past is forgiven and my future is surrendered. See, all ste 12 steps, the steps to recovery, are found right there in the Lord's prayer. And that's why, that's why Jesus when he was facing the cross, the night before he went to the cross to die, to take the punishment for our sins, he was in agony. In fact, we studied that the very first week of this series where Jesus said, I am overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus said, Father, I don't think I can handle this. But then he said, Nevertheless, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And he said, Father, so into your hands I commit my spirit. What does that sound like? Into your hands I commit my spirit. Remember when the great artist, the trapeze artist, the great Rodley said that the flyer must stretch out their hands with complete trust that the catcher will catch them. 
And Henry Newman writes, he said, he says, when Rodley said this with so much conviction, the words of Jesus on the cross flashed through my mind when, when Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. For us, it means trusting in the catcher. Don't be afraid. Remember that you are the beloved child of God. He will be there when you make your long jump. Don't try to grab him. He will grab you. Just stretch out your arms and hands and trust, trust, trust. And my friends, listen, maybe some of you, maybe you made that decision years ago to trust in Jesus. And yet maybe the reality is that somewhere along the way, you decided to pick up your skunk again, right? Somewhere along the way, you wrestled control out of God's hands and said, no, I'm going to be the one in charge. And maybe for some of you, it's been years since you could truly, honestly say, I've surrendered everything to Jesus. Maybe for others here today, maybe Maybe all this stuff is brand new to you. Like Jess talked about near the beginning of the service. Maybe, maybe this is new to you, but you hear Jesus calling your name. And I just want to ask, are you, are you ready? Are you willing to reach out your arms? Reach out your hands and jump into the arms of Jesus. Our Heavenly Father, I pray now for everybody who's with us today, maybe even those who will stumble across this on the internet because somebody shared it this week. And whoever you are out there, listen, Whoever hears the sound of my voice right now, are you ready? Are you ready to trust Jesus, to jump into his arms? Why is it necessary? Because the Bible says that all of us have sinned and fall short, fallen short. It's not just those who are deeply bound by obvious addictions. It's even, especially those, especially those who feel like you're so culturally acceptable and you, you look on the outside like your life is all together and you have everything in, under control and yet you know that it's a lie. You know that it's a mask. You know that the reality is while the outside looks good, on the inside you're falling apart. See, Jesus died on the cross so that we could confess our sin and receive his forgiveness and be transformed as a child of God to trust in him. And, and if you're ready to do that right now, would you just close your eyes wherever you are right now? And I just invite you to pray a prayer to him, something like this. Just in your heart, say, Lord, I confess. I confess that I've sinned that I've been selfish, that I have made this life about me. Confess it to him now. 
but I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my forgiveness. That Jesus wants to catch me today and hold me in his arms. I want to be set free by his power, the power of his resurrection. And so right now, declare in your heart that you believe that Jesus died to set you free so that you can be forgiven, so that you can be saved and become a child of God. Right now in your heart, confess and believe and then receive. Confess, believe, and receive. Right now, just invite him to come in. Invite him to take control. Say, Lord, I give it all to you. I admit that I am powerless to fix, to fix it on my own. I need you, God. Not just to make my life better, but because you are the life. Jesus, because you are the way, because you are the truth, the only way to the Father in heaven. And so I want to be a child of God, surrendered to you, empowered by your spirit, guided by the truth of your word to live free. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about Moncton Wesleyan, we invite you to visit our website at mw.church. We are here to help you with any questions you might have. See you next time.